15 minutes today on a Thursday edition of the program. Thursday night football will be coming up. We've got uh, Phillies and the D-backs going on right now. Uh, this game is scoreless, and uh, the Diamondbacks have to win. Otherwise, they're going to be down three games to none, and that'll be the end of that. Phillies will be on their way and uh, awaiting the winner of that Rangers-Astros series, which got a little more interesting yesterday, thanks to what uh, Houston was able to do out there in Arlington. All right, uh, we've got a lot to cover on the show today. In fact, um, for all of you that were at the Battle of I-10 last night or watched it or listened to it, if you listened to it on 600 ESPN El Paso, thank you. If you watched it on ESPN2, I completely understand. If you were at the game, good for you. Uh, for Aggie fans, they're super excited because their team won their fifth game of the season and they're just two away from going to a bowl game. For the Miners, uh, all the excitement and hope that we had after the FIU road win was pretty much gone over the final 30 minutes of that football game. Adrian, I'm amazed you're even here. You were on minor talk last night until after 1 in the morning, and uh, you easily could have taken a sick day today, but you decided instead to show up here and uh, and come back to work. I'm impressed. Well, I had to, Steve. I'm out tomorrow. I'm out Monday, so uh, I had to come in today and close out the week strong. You know, hey, that's I'm, I'm like uh, I'm fueled by Cade McConnell here. It's like even though you know you can't get too high, can't get too low, you got to show up every day. You have to be an everyday guy. You do. And by the way, Cade is with us for the first hour of the show, and um, I- I'll say this about Cade: number one. He has experienced both extremes of UTEP football in consecutive weeks. He really has. I mean, think about it. There is no middle ground here. He went from the highest of highs, which was beating FIU on the road and having the game of his life, to last night, um, which was, I don't want to say the lowest of lows, but a second half in which the Aggies dominated, won the Battle of I-10 28-7, and Cade was battered and bruised throughout the game, taking hit after hit, and ultimately dealing with the reality of the situation that uh, yesterday the Aggies were just a better football team. I don't think there's any argument about that based on how they played, especially in that second half. And uh, Cade uh, joins us here on the show today inside our 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Properties, Schoolyard Sports Studios. First time since you had the job. Now, last time we talked to you, you'd come in for a series. You were getting ready to play against FIU. We're excited about that. We mentioned we'll have some things to talk about. Well, we have some things to talk about, don't we? Because, like I mentioned earlier, you kind of seen the best and the worst of both sides of this after these last two football games. Yeah, there's there's been uh, stuff going on on both sides. You know, last week against FIU was wonderful. Uh, it was a great team win for our team. You know, it felt good personally having that game. Uh, and then we come out this week, and you know, there's nothing we wanted more than to win the Battle of I-10, and we didn't come out on top. The Aggies played a great game, and uh, we didn't play well enough to win that game. So the two extremes is for sure exactly what I'm feeling right now um, I think it's what our whole teams is, is feeling but you can't let it carry over into this week that's no, true it is really true I'm just wondering for you because you didn't really have any adversity against FIU you just had you had the big plays early you had to manage the lead and then seal the deal which you were able to do last night different story it was a good I mean it was a well-played first half you had opportunities it was tied in the locker room you're doing an interview on ESPN2 going into the break offering your thoughts on the team and, and how things are going and then the second half just like that it shows you how quickly a team can come out and change the momentum almost the way you jumped on FIU in the first quarter uh, the week before that's what the Aggies did to you in that third quarter last night 
Yeah, you know, and it was on us. We know we knew they were going to get the ball coming out of halftime, and it was going to be on us that if they went down and scored, we had to answer. Um, and we didn't do that right then, and we had a slow second half. Um, and that's one of the things that I think our football team has been good at in the past couple of years is being good in the third and fourth quarter. Um, and last night we weren't as good as we needed to. So that's one of the things that when we go back and we watch the film and we're going to say, okay, these are the things we need to fix, we're definitely going to look at that second half and go, you know, um, emotionally and, you know, you know, with energy, what did we do wrong in that second half? What could have been different? Um, along with the schematics of you know how it all played out. You tell me. I mean, I, I saw you take a couple of huge hits last night in that game, especially in the second half. How is the body holding up after uh, getting uh, blown up a couple times? We're all right. We're all right. No worries. You know, that's part of the position. Uh, it's my job, and it's it's part of my game. I'm going to try to see stuff uh, the best I can, and if it means taking a hit, then i got to take a hit. But no injuries here, just a little banged up, so we're all good. Did that defense throw looks at you last night that maybe uh, you, you knew were coming, but you know when you're there, it's one thing looking at it on film and preparing for it. But when you're under center and you then see it in action, uh, you tell me, is it a little different when you have to handle things on the field in a game situation versus watching it and kind of preparing yourself leading up to it? Oh, of course. You know, when you watch film or when you watch it on TV, uh, even just the angle that you're looking at it from a camera is very different than standing back there as a quarterback. You know, the perspective of it is completely different. Um, but, you know, we did a lot of preparation and a lot of studying for this game. But New Mexico State brought some different looks that we hadn't exactly seen them do previously. Um, so we had to make some adjustments and, you know, they kept us on our toes and uh, we could have done a better job. You know, I could have done a better job myself of getting us into some different looks, taking advantage of certain opportunities and adapting to what they were giving us. Adrian, you've been sitting back listening to the start of this. I know you, uh, again, I, I don't want you to talk very much because that minor talk. People said, uh, just, oh, just, some people told me, let Adrian host the whole show because they think that day was like a cruel joke to you after all the, you were up <laughs> to like what, almost two in the morning doing this here last night. So no, here the, we are. Cruel, the cruel joke was uh, an early meeting today. That oh, was yeah. a cruel well, joke. 8.30 a.m. meetings is, is kind of cruel. Uh, first, uh, first question you've got for Cade. Yeah, Cade, I, I want to ask you, what was the sideline like uh, just from your perspective? I mean, try, you're, you're you're trying to keep it upbeat. You're trying to uh, develop momentum, especially in the second half. You're trying to rally back in that game. How, what was that really like, especially knowing it's a rivalry game and things are tense on the sideline? Yeah, I mean, on the sidelines, everybody knows how important this game is, um, and we're trying to stay focused, and we're trying to do everything we can in order to motivate each other on the sidelines. You know, and sometimes there were miscues and things like that, and so we're trying to talk it out on the sideline, get things figured out mentally, and so we go out for the next drive we can uh, execute to the best of our ability. But, you know, when, when they come out and they score a couple times on the sideline, you know, it, it's a task to try to keep everybody, you know, upbeat and motivated. Um, and I think that's one of the things we could have done better too. But I will say, you know, the guys around me supported me uh, and supported supported each other greatly you know I think that overall uh in grand terms the 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 motivation the energy the the passion on the sideline that entire game was still there you know everybody was really still fighting uh, all the way through the end did you feel almost though that as a quarterback you got to try to keep those guys up no matter what and you know trying to do that is one thing having them respond to you in the same the way you want to is something different so as you try to keep everybody kind of upbeat and and keep yourself upbeat in the same process do you find that you were able to kind of keep those guys where they needed to be mentally yeah, yeah. I think that our team, you know, stayed focused and locked in that entire time. Um, you know, those guys have been so good in response to me over the past couple of weeks. You know, I've tried to give them everything that I can out of me um, as far as a leader, as far as a motivator and a teammate and family, truthfully. Um, and I think that they've given all that back to me. You know, I've, I've had so many guys on the team saying, hey, we got your back right here. You know, let's go get this. Let's go. Let's go score right here. Let's go get this drive. And those are the type of things that you want to see from your team, you know, from the start of the first quarter to when, you know, the clock says zero. Um, and that's 
that's exactly what they gave me. So I'm so I'm I'm proud of those guys for doing that. I'm extremely grateful, and, and there's nobody else I'd want to walk out on the field with. Five oh five six zero zero nine. Cade McConnell with us for the first hour of the show. We do have uh, coming up in our five o'clock hour. Uh, ParamountSports.com. We're going to talk to Lee Sterling. Also, we have uh, Chris Hanna. Could he drop in by at the end of our five o'clock hour to talk about now or never, which will be available for widespread release via streaming platforms tomorrow? I know he's excited about that. You can also uh, hit us up on X at 600 ESPN El Paso. That's at 600 ESPN El Paso. Any post you would like to make, we would love to hear about it uh, and, and hear what uh, you know you want to talk about. Um, also, I, I know Alberto is with us as well. He's the, the third member of the broadcast team today. Fourth, if you're counting Cade, because let's be honest, Cade, uh, you know, he's, right. he is kind of interning with us over through the course of the year, so he really does count as one of the members of the team, even though he's also on the UTEP team. He's on two teams. But uh, go ahead uh, and uh, throw uh, a question Cade's way, Alberto. I know you've got one. Uh, Cade, how do you see your preparation changing in this coming weeks, you know, uh between now and the end of the season how do you think you'll be preparing a little different yeah the only thing that i would say is different um would be how i take what has happened you know with myself in the last two weeks and what i could do better for the team and put that into the next two weeks as far as you know preparing and watching film and in the weight room and in the training room trying to keep your body right and all those other you know aspects of football nothing's going to change because you know you're, you're trying to do it to the the right way every single week and if you're doing it the right way you don't you don't need to change that week to week um, but the thing that's going to change is okay now that I've had you know two games where I've played two full games um, you know for UTEP what have I done in those two games what are the similarities and what are the differences what is good what is bad and take you know what I can learn from myself um, and what I can do for the team and put that into the following weeks and try to build on top of that you know not take any steps backward just continue to go forward because you know I still I have I have a ton to learn and a long way to go um, and I'm just going to try to keep building on top of that and keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, you know, I feel like UTEP is is kind of at their best when they run the ball well, they complement with the passing game. Against FIU, it was just one of those games where things happened we haven't seen. Let's be honest. The deep ball was something that we haven't really seen much this whole year. So when it happened and started happening with regularity against the FIU defense, the reaction was, besides holy bleep, what is going on here? The other reaction was, where has this been all season? But maybe it was one of those situations where, hey, you noticed you had opportunities, you took advantage of it, but now that teams had a chance to see that on tape, they weren't going to give you those same chances the way maybe FIU's defense did uh, when you had them in the first quarter. No, you're exactly right. Against FIU, you know, those looks were, we have an opportunity here. This is what the defense is giving us, so that's what we are going to take. You know, that's the name of the game. You hear that for quarterbacks all the time. Take what they give, take what they give, take what they give. Um, and New Mexico State wasn't giving us those deep shots, especially in the second half. Um, they weren't going to let us, you know, try to take the top off of the defense. But there were some other things that were there, um, and I think, you know, and myself as a quarterback uh, and us as a team needed to take more advantage of the other opportunities that defenses were giving. You know, defenses are never going to take away everything at once. That's uh, schematically impossible. So you got to find the weaknesses, you know, in the armor of the defense. But the deep shot wasn't the weakness. And you haven't really had the chance to watch yet from last night and, and see the tape. So you haven't had a chance to see what was given to you and ultimately what you decided to do versus maybe what, um, you know, other other opportunities that were available. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I had a couple classes today. This Wednesday schedule still still new. I yeah. know we only got one more week of it, but I uh, had a couple classes today, and now I'm talking with you guys. So tonight's rest of the night's task is going to be going over that film. Uh, you know, trying to see 
like exactly what I just, you know, said earlier, I'm going to go sure. and try to build off of what we did, find the looks that, you know, we, we should have taken advantage of, uh, l- really just learn from everything that I can this game. Uh, and then once I wake up tomorrow, we got to put this entire week behind us. NMSU is gone. It's in the past right. and we got to go move on to Sam Houston. And your family was here, uh, to watch the game. In fact, what was that like for you knowing that despite the outcome, you had everybody in town to, to spend a little time with you and, and, and kind of see you in action? Yeah, it's, it's so important to me. Uh, um, you know, having my dad there and then my girlfriend, Kaylee, who's actually sitting right behind us in the studio here, um, she came and, and that means everything to me because, you know, I, uh, I was talking, you know, with them and, and people that have come out to see the games and stuff. There's nothing more important to me, win or loss, yeah. uh, than coming off and being able to hug them after the game. You know, that, that means so much to me. And then going back, you know, to my apartment, being able to be with them and just sit on the couch and watch something that has nothing to do with sports, you know, just kind of take your mind off of it, no matter the outcome of the game, you know, and, and and be around the people that you love the most is super important to me. Is Kaylee the kind of person that after you get back, the first thing she's going to say is, all right, let's let's start breaking this thing down and, and start to talk about specific plays that she noticed, or will she uh, let you relax and, and, and not have to try to relive any of the moments of, uh, of the game itself? No, Kaylee loves to talk football. We, uh, we've been together for a long time, and back in junior college, I would when she was at University of Utah and I was back at uh, Cerritos College, I'd get on the phone with her after practice, and we'd talk about practice. She'd go, wait, okay, well, I don't understand that. Well, Kaylee knows what cover two is now, and I don't know how many girlfriends around uh, college football could say they know what cover two is. So Kaylee knows a lot about football, and she definitely likes to break down a lot of different things. But um, she kind of knows which games to talk about football with and which games to uh, just sit down and watch watch some shows on the TV after. Fair enough. I think that pretty much answers that question, too. I like it. Is it right. reality TV that you guys watch afterwards? Is it is it like a horror show, or what is it that you guys watch after? If it's Kaylee's choice, it's absolutely 100% reality TV. If it's my choice, it's something a little more lighthearted. Really? Okay, uh, Kaylee, real quick, uh, right right in front of that microphone right there. Um, what reality TV shows are your go-to? A little closer, a little closer. Come on, Kaylee, it's okay. What are your What are your reality TV shows right now that if you had your choice uh, are just tops on your list? Oh, this is so embarrassing. Anything dating-wise, okay. Love is Blind yeah. just came out on Netflix. I'm sure all the girls listening in have watched it. Housewives of anything. We're from Orange County, California. So, have you watched The Golden Bachelor? I can't say I have, but I have history watching The Bachelor and Bachelorette. So. Okay, so The Golden Bachelor could be a possibility when you're really like looking for something a little different. I He's know. like 70 years old. Keeps love alive. They, Gives they, people hope. There you go, Adrian. Uh, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Yes or no? Fan or not? Yes and no. I know Coach Whittingham. Well, because. Caden mentioned I went to the University of Utah and cheered there. So seeing like the overlap of what we had as a well-respected coach and then the drama side and his wife was very interesting. But I stick to the California Housewives for right. sure. That'd be, a smart, that'd be a smart move. All right, we'll come back. More with Kate as we continue. 505-6009 here on Sports Talk. First, though, let's go to Charlie One and get this traffic update. Chatting it up with Cade McConnell and... Um, Sometimes I've always said, Adrian, the best conversation on this radio show is what is talked about during the commercial breaks. Mm, I agree. It always is. I agree, Steve. But always. listeners can't get that. No, 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 no. You only get what's on the radio. That's it. Not even on our app. Nope, that's true. But you can call into the show if you want to talk to Cade right now. 505-6009. Look, I know it. Had we done this last Thursday, you would fill up the phone lines for three hours. That's just the reality of the situation. Today, 
uh, a little tougher. It is because of because of what happened last night. I'm surprised Aggie fans aren't calling and congratulating you for uh, having an opportunity to go out there and play against them last night. Oh, I've had uh, I've had plenty of uh, things that are not positive over the social media in the last couple of days. But you know that's part of the ride as playing Division One football. The highs are the highs, the lows are the lows. Uh, it was you know overwhelmingly positive last week and not so much this week. Um, but I am happy that you had praise and Kelly on last week. Me uh, too. I got to listen into that. Um, super excited that they got to come on here and speak. That was pretty cool. You probably will not be able to comment on this, but I will read it anyway. This was Poncho's post about 10 minutes ago. So many things to talk about with UTEP football, he starts. Bad play calling put Cade in a bad position consistently. Also made some bad throws, but still my number one choice. D played hard, but critical mistakes. Wide receivers dropping passes. No second half adjustments. Coaches did not have the team ready from Poncho. Now, I know you can't really hit on the specifics of that, but let's talk about that last part. Coaches not having the team ready. You could speak on this from experience because you spend a week preparing for games. Everything. Meetings. Meetings. More meetings. Practices. Studying game plans. Knowing what you're going to see. And we always wonder about preparation, not just going into the game, but like the locker room at halftime and as things progress for the second half. Yeah, you know, our coaching staff, I I love our coaching staff, and I love what they do for our players. I love the type of people that they are to our players, and I thought we were well prepared going into the game. You know, NMSU is a really good football team. They they are a good football team with good players, and they're going to do the exact same thing. They were also well prepared, and they also made halftime adjustments just like we did. Um, And, you know, they they played a better second half than us. Um, I didn't play good enough in the second half or throughout the entire game in order to win the football game you know I needed to be better on my half but I think that our coaches absolutely had had us prepared um, and sometimes you know the other team gets the better of you has a couple more big plays and, and does some things well um, and that's where I'll tip my cap to NMSU you know what else happened last night that we haven't really talked about but it's a big story West Stansbury West is an eighth grader his dad played at UCLA played for the Houston Texans played in the NFL he lives here in El Paso he helps out with the greater El Paso football showcase and Last night, his son, West, who is an eighth grader, was given an offer from UTEP. First time they've ever uh, offered an eighth grader, okay? Normally, you get your offer in junior or senior year. This time, and by the way, the kid is already built like a a college football player, and he's just going to get bigger from here. But I found that interesting because it's the kind of thing I want to see UTEP do. When you've got a phenom whose dad was uh, one of the best players in town 20-something years ago, and now his son is uh, already looking like he's going to be well on his way doing that, and you offer him, good for you, Tep. I was pretty excited to hear that news yesterday. Yeah, I mean, the only other guy that I've heard of as an eighth grader getting an offer was uh, my former teammate Malachi Nelson, who's now at USC that I played high school with. Um, I actually didn't know who he was. I ended up meeting him in the locker room yesterday. Um, and I shook his hand and found out he was an eighth grader. Me and Gavin both said hello to him, and we're like, wow, he's pretty big for an eighth grader right there. That kid has grown. Um, but I didn't know that, actually, that he had been offered until this morning, so congratulations to him. That's uh, quite an honor, and obviously he's off to a great start if that's what he's getting in eighth grade. 
uh, Cade, for the recruiting philosophy, you're a junior college guy, and I think as long as this regime stays intact, they're going to continue to recruit junior college guys uh, here and there. There are high school guys on this roster who've essentially come from the high school ranks and then developed through the process and the system, and then there's a few transfer portal players who are sprinkled in the mix. How how would you uh, differentiate all three? I mean, you come uh, from a junior college perspective, but how do each uh, players, uh, you know, from their different background, how do they come into the process and try to fit in with this group yeah you know it's the first thing I have to say about that is just everybody has such a unique story and a different place of where they come from that everyone kind of finds their own place within that recruiting process and everyone kind of fits into some type of category that's going to be best for them Um, you know the people that come out of high school are the people that you know have developed a little earlier than others that can showcase their talents quicker and then you know show their potential to coaches that are they're willing to give them an offer out of high school junior college it gets pushed back a little bit later you know and those are more of your late bloomers maybe they get bigger later that was the case with me I was real skinny coming out of high school and didn't have a whole lot of weight on me and then you know some changes happened to my body I you know got better at quarterback and was able to prove myself after high school um, you know and then you go to the transfer portal and that's maybe you know somebody who had potential but then didn't show it too much while they were at another place and or you know the plethora of different reasons why people transfer and now they're in um, a different spot so you know that's kind of my philosophy on it is just everybody has their own story and a different way that you know they're trying to get to that dream of playing division one college football and sometimes it's just where the cards fall and you don't know exactly where your cards are going to fall until it comes you know I thought I was going to be recruited out of high school I didn't I thought I was going to get recruited earlier in junior college I didn't and then you know later in my junior college career that's when UTEP came in and then I thought I was going to maybe be in the mix quicker at UTEP you know obviously I was down on the depth chart and then now I'm playing so you know it, it was a roller coaster but everybody goes through their own roller coaster in some way shape or form so whether it's transfer portal, junior college, or coming out of high school, um, everybody kind of has their slot that they fall into, and they just got to find their niche. How much different is the speed of the game now that you're seeing here versus what you saw at Cerritos? Actually, uh, that's one of the things that you know I always talk to my junior college coach, uh, Dean Grossfeld, who I love to death, um, and that's one of the things that me and him were talking about just last week after the FIU game. You know, the speed of a jump from high school to division one college football is drastic. It is, it is so much, but the speed jump from junior college football to division one college football is much, much smaller than that. You know, I would say you, you take five huge jumps from high school to division one college football. You probably take about two from junior college to division one, you know, because everybody is a, a, player that's on scholarship you know everyone's on scholarship playing division one college football um but in junior college you know they're still college athletes so there's no doubt it's turned up the intensity's turned up um the x's and o's get much more complicated uh in in division one um but that the quality of players and the guys that are playing are somewhat comparable between junior college and division one i'll ask you about the speed of the game does the speed seem to be similar to you or is the division one game just a faster game than than what you had at juco no, it, it does. There are a lot of similarities. You know, there's definitely the speed of the game's a little bit faster. You got to go through your weeds a little bit quicker because, you know, secondaries and DBs do things faster. Rushers are better, but you also have better offensive linemen. You have faster receivers yourself. So the speed of the game gets sped up. It's like, you know, you just hit fast forward going through the show just a, just a tick higher than what it is in Juco, but it is definitely turned up. Uh, more with Cade as we hit the bottom of the hour. We've got him for 30 more minutes. So if you want to get in, 505 6009, that's our telephone number. 600 ESPN El Paso. You can get in on uh, social media as well. Let's get back to Adrian. He's standing by with this Sports Center update.
Moving here on the program, 32 now past the hour, 505-6009. That is our telephone number to get into the show. That's 505-6009-600-ESPN-El Paso uh, on uh, X, if you would like to get in as well, or Twitter, and I'd be more than happy to hear from you on the program. All right, um, as far as uh, your game goes, I'm curious about this. When you're in the pocket, and you have a few minutes to try to throw the ball. And I'm, and you're looking through your reads and looking through everybody to see how plays develop. What is it like to try to sense as opposing linemen are converging on you and trying to get ready to either hit you or sack you? How do you, I mean, does a quarterback have a sixth sense where you can kind of in your head either feel like you're hearing those footsteps, you sense it, or you just know, I've got a certain amount of time, and if I don't throw that football, I'm either getting sacked or um, you know, i got to take off and just try to run or throw it away. Yeah, you absolutely, as a quarterback, have to have that sixth sense, and I think that good quarterbacks have you. You could feel it in the pocket. You, it's just this indescribable feeling. And the other side of that is they call it an internal clock. You, know, you have that couple-second timer in your head of, okay, this is not – going at the exact timing of this play this is not what's supposed to be happening there's a really good chance that we're going to be coming out of time here and now it's time to extend the play try to make something happen or get the ball out of your hands now i know you're not a runner meaning that's not your forte you're just gonna you're not gonna just take off like kevin hurley or or jake mcnamara and try to run with it if, if things if the pocket collapses and all of a sudden you realize that you know there's nobody open but that being said do you almost try to give yourself like an internal clock that as you're quarterbacking if you don't see if you don't see something opening up then you got to realize okay it's time for plan b either throw the ball away get out of bounds do something because otherwise it's just there's there's no way you could sit back in the pocket for more than you know three four seconds and, and expect to still still be upright when it's all said and done yeah exactly that's that's exactly what you got to do you got to have that internal clock and then you got to you know be decisive and make your decisions you know there was a couple plays last night I know one in particular I was trying to extend the play trying to make something happen hopefully somebody was going to come open you know and that wasn't the case and end up taking a sack and you know that's a learning point right there you know just throw the ball away live to fight another down maybe we go forward in that situation you know maybe it's second down and now you have a more manageable third down Um, those are all learning points you know that like when we go back and watch the film I'm gonna you know take my notes down and be hey you can't do this or you need to do that better Um, or you need to try to extend plays better and and step up in the pocket give yourself an extra half a second deliver a ball and take a hit you know it's it's a very feel for type of position and and decision making that you got to have in that instance but it's part of the job how about seeing the field and just knowing that you know sometimes you have you know three four guys out there running routes and just trying to not necessarily lock in on one or two, but do the best you can to find everybody so that if you have to improvise, you see something developing and then you can anticipate it and try to deliver that football. Yeah, one of the hardest parts that, you know, unless you've played the position nobody really understands is when you're standing back there in the pocket, you're in a pocket of five, you know, offensive linemen and at least four guys usually rushing. You know, that that's, that's nine guys right there that are in front of your vision blocking all the things that you're trying to see in front of you. So it's like if you were to put your hand in front of your face and wave it back and forth and then try to see routes in perfect timing going in front of you you know it's it's difficult um but you know that's that's also part of it trying to keep keep your lanes see the guys that are out there and have really good eyes of you know the small little movements that defenders do that can show you okay that's where i'm going to have my window and this is when the ball's got to come out 
Kate, a question with zero importance uh, and more accessory questions for me. I asked you a visor question recently. I'll ask you another one. I sometimes see college football players, uh, particularly receivers, use a towel on their back, and I see some use a hand warmer in uh, cities and areas I know where it's warm. Uh, what are your thoughts on those kind of accessories? Would you ever sport a hand warmer or a, a towel uh, with you on the football field? I got a second one after this one. So I, uh, I always wear a towel on the back um it's kind of funny all of us quarterbacks talked about it we always wear our towel in different spots so i wear mine in the back um i think gavin wears it on his his on his side and you know i don't know other guy all of us quarterbacks at one point were like yeah we all wear our towel in a little bit different spot but i I don't know i keep mine in the back i always have it so i can make sure that if something happened if i'm drinking water or sweat or something like that i have to have something just in case to wipe my hands off yeah i would never want the ball to be slippery um and then i always wear a wristband on my right hand you know just to try to make sure that you know i have the best grip possible um but it's as far as receivers wearing towels, I think that's great too because if those gloves get wet, then they're not as sticky. Um, the hand warmer in the warm areas, though, that one always throws me for a little bit of a loop just because, I don't know, I feel like it's unnecessary. But, um, hey, that's part of guy swag. So if guys want to wear that and that's what makes them feel good to play good, then uh, then that's part of their thing. Then yeah. I'll let them do that. What about uh, yesterday the Miners sported an all-blue look? It was all navy blue. Of the uniform combos that they've had so far, the Miners this year, uh, throw the Texas Western alternates aside, which are your favorite ones uh, that we've seen this year? I'm a really big fan of the all blue, actually. I, I love uh, the all blue. I thought it looked clean last year when I wore it for the first time, um, and I thought it looked great again in the Adidas uniforms. Um, and then I also like the all whites. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of either wearing monochromatic all the way down, or I'm a big fan of going uh, you know, color one on the helmet, mm. color two on the jersey, and then back to color one on the pants and have that sandwiched look uh, in between there. Um, but I thought our uniforms looked really good uh, last night. What, what do you guys think of them? I thought they look good i didn't like the helmet logo because you couldn't see it real well it almost like it blended in completely with the blue i could understand i I had a hard time really uh there was no i think the outline was orange not white so it made it a little tougher adrian did you have an an easy time Uh, with that or a tough time i'm sorry Kay. i didn't like them i will say i like uh these jerseys these all navy blue jerseys with the uh the adidas stripes on the shoulders much more than the previous all navy blue jerseys and some minor fans would disagree with that for sure but uh i i definitely like these all blue uh to the other ones i, I like the all white for me i'm all white uh for for uniforms for utep that's that's my preference so adrian you didn't like the decals or you didn't like the entire blue uniform uh no just the decals it just wasn't gotcha. a fan of that. i could i could understand that but you were okay with the blue uniforms last night aside yeah decals i liked aside. yeah i liked all blue I, and i love the blue helmet i just didn't like the i didn't like the uh the fact that it was so blue you couldn't you couldn't really see you i understand that i understand yeah, it was kind of wild. Um, by the way, when you roll out, is is the right side your most comfortable side because that's your throwing side? Do you feel like when you roll out to the right, that's where you're you're kind of at your best when you're not in the pocket? Yeah, I mean, I feel like most quarterbacks, when they're right-handed, were going to air to rolling to their right, and left-handed would air to rolling to their left. Um, but you want to try to move to where your receivers are going to end up being. You know, if you have three crossing routes that are all running to the left and then you scramble to the right, the odds of somebody coming back into your vision are slim to none. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to try to move, you know, where you can, obviously, that's controlled chaos in football. Sometimes you only get one side to go to. You don't just get to choose. Um, but, yeah, if I could, if I can roll out to my right, I'm going to do that just because it's a little bit easier of a throw that side. But if something tells me i got to go left, then I'm perfectly comfortable doing that too. 
Last night when you were sacked, any trash talking going on at the bottom of those piles when people would try to get to you? Would they be? Would they let you know that they got you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, I think that that's part of being a defensive guy. I think that that's that's part of the grittiness and the and the uh, trash talk and the and the tough nosed guys that defensive guys are. But no, they were not afraid to let me know. But uh, we'll we'll keep what happens at the bottom of the pile at the bottom of the pile. There you go. All right, final twenty minutes with Cade as we continue five zero five six zero zero nine. More in a moment. Sports talk continues. News 600 ESPN El Paso. About this. Um, Kay, this is part of the perks of the job. I mean, this is it. Kylie's getting a chance to see this in well firsthand because we've got Sven with us right now from the Desert Moon Emporium just up the road, 4400 North Mesa, Suite 2. And he's here. He brought coffee. Sven, thanks. I mean, this is pretty awesome. I got a surprise today. We got some coffee samples. I'm kind of amped up about it. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, so, yeah, we're going to do a couple different samples here. Uh, we're going to range anywhere from an Ethiopian. Uh, we're going to do a special Mexican uh, mango-infused coffee. Oh, wow. Uh, we're going to do a Costa Rican. And then we're also going to do a, a state-grade Yemen. Excellent. So. Um, as we get ready to enjoy all of that, let's talk about what you have coming up tonight. 6 to 10 o'clock. This is the first ever uh, Art and Farmer's Market, which uh, I know you're pretty excited about hosting out here at uh, Desert Moon Emporium. So it's actually sponsored by 915 El Bazaar. Um, they've run a couple of these markets, and we decided to go ahead and work with them to host it in our parking lot. Um, and so from 6 to 10 p.m. tonight, we're going to have various vendors, some of which we've met at the various farmer's markets that we've done. Um, others, not necessarily that we have, but they have contacted us through Instagram and Facebook. Excellent. Uh, how long has Desert Moon Emporium been around? Sven? So as a storefront, we've been around for one year. Actually, our anniversary was October 1st. So it'll be our one year for our brick and mortar. Uh, we've been doing farmer's markets for a couple years beyond that. And I myself have been roasting coffee for about 16, 17 years now. What was it about roasting coffee that first got you into this as, to begin with? Well, the reason I got into roasting coffee was the lack of good coffee. I've been drinking coffee since I was a little kid um, and finding basically kind of nasty coffee in the grocery stores mm-hmm. um, or just the corporate coffee all tasted the same. I got into roasting. That's excellent. And and how many different varieties of coffee do you have at the Desert Moon Emporium? Uh, currently, we have, and I believe it's about eight or ten different origins. By origins, they're all single origin from a single country. Um, and from usually they're directly from the farms and co-ops in those countries. Wow. So for somebody like me, who's coffee rookie, right? I'm the, I'm the guy that'll go and get your sweet lattes and your stuff. I, I have little taste when it comes to really nice coffee. For somebody like me who's walking into your place, you know, what am I going to get? What, what, what's the upgrade when it comes to you? So what you're going to get is you're going to get coffee that's been roasted within the last week or two weeks, you're going to get a single origin coffee that is graded. Uh, so by grading, there's actually Q graders. They're specialists that sample. They're the equivalent of the wine tasters. Um, and they'll grade a coffee on a scale from basically 60 to about 100. Um, and so one of the things that we have are very well-graded coffees. Um, and they're also roasted to enhance the flavor profile of that particular coffee. Um, so they're not going to be charred. They're not going to be over-roasted. They're going to the flavors and the natural sugars are going to get brought out during the roasting process. Man. I feel like this is the natural coffee maturing that I need you know, in my life. i got to start upgrading into something a little bit better, right? That's so true because as you try this coffee, you'll be like – it's kind of like us with water, right? Where we, uh, Adrian has and I have – it's a water filtration system from Clean Water of El Paso. We were talking about this yesterday. We were joking. We can't drink water anymore. Sven like it, has one too. Does he really? <laughs> yeah, at home I got one, yep. <laughs> I love it. So the point is you understand what we're talking about. Like 
tap water just doesn't work anymore. You have to enjoy filtered water the way we get it with our reverse osmosis. Same thing with coffee, right? You start to get this, you're going to be spoiled. Uh, and it's the same thing. And actually, it's the espresso that I make that actually got my wife to stop putting cream in her coffee. Um, and I've had various other peoples that have tried my coffee, and they complain that they can't buy it in the grocery stores anymore because it's just not the same. Okay, mm. this is what I'm talking about. You start to drink this, and next thing you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like a life changer for you. Right. I'm going to start acting like I'm 30. I'm not going to act like a little kid anymore. I'm going to start getting some more <laughs> hair on my chest. I love it. That's true. And uh, let me ask you this. If you, if you play quarterback like you're 30, will that be a good thing? Because then you're like an experienced NFL vet. Do you feel like that will also help you out on the football field for you, Tep? If mentally. I can be 30 but not physically then that would be perfect I don't want to be physically, physically 30 yes. out on you'll the be field. pulling things right I don't want to do any of that <laughs> is this farmers art and farmers market that's going to be happening tonight from 6 to 10 um, at 4400 North Mesa with Desert Moon Emporium is this the start of something that we could start to see more regularly Sven? well I know we've scheduled tonight we've also got one scheduled for November okay um, I'm going to start hosting cuppings at the uh, Desert Moon Emporium which are basically the same as wine tastings uh, where we take two or three different origins and and grind them and then essentially slurp them with a spoon and actually try to get a really enhanced flavor. Um, and then have everyone sort of describe what they're tasting. No right or wrong answers. You describe what you're tasting and everyone sort of shares their input. And it's designed to basically enhance people's experience of coffee and sort of educate people too. A lot of people don't know what a good coffee should taste like. As far as your rotation goes, do you try and switch out your origins every so often, or do you like to stick with your aid and stay with those? Well, interestingly enough, coffee is a crop, and it is a seasonal crop. So we never carry the same exact beans um, for more than a month or two. Um, it gets rotated out. I have preferred farms I like to get my coffees from, but even there, depending on the climate and how much water they got that year, et cetera, the, the flavor profiles are going to change a little bit. What's your go-to coffee that you have that you say is just it's just the best? You know, there is none for me that's the best. It really depends on the time of day and what mood I'm in and what I just ate. Um, certain coffees go good with pastries. Others go good with breakfast. Others go good late in the afternoon. Um, I'm a big fan of the Costa Rica we have, and the Mexican Chiapas we have is a really nice malted chocolate type of coffee. So um, those are some of my favorites. All right, I'll give you a scenario, Sven. Uh, if you are you know, expecting a long day ahead of you and you need uh, a little extra kick to get you through the day, what do you get from Desert Moon Emporium? Uh, you'd probably start the day with a Colombian and then possibly get yourself a nice uh, double shot of espresso or perhaps a latte. Do um, you feel like a college quarterback could benefit from coffee in the morning and at night when they need it the most to just help that help their brain stay charged all day? It helps if you don't use a lot of sugar, and that's the key. The sugar will give you that quick burnout, um, but the coffee in itself and that caffeine, it'll help. I definitely suggest eating with food, but it it's definitely enhances the, the concentration capabilities. So it sounds like I need to come in. I need to come in to Desert Moon Emporium. I need to get myself a high-grade High-quality cup of coffee. I would see just doing that on a regular basis, actually. All right. Well, you might be seeing me more often then, Sven. <laughs> I love it. Again, folks, uh, it is uh, the first Art and Farmer's Market, 6 to 10 o'clock. Sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun tonight. Uh, if people have, you know, have heard about this or they've been to other farmer markets and art markets, what should they expect to see when they come tonight? They're going to see a lot of locally crafted uh, artisan goods, um, some food items, um, some artwork, um, and various just different crafted items. Uh, we tend to keep it to having people that craft their own items, not necessarily we don't want to be a flea market. Um, mm -hmm. So we really want to be a crafter's market.
Again, folks, Foothills Plaza, 4400 North Mesa, 6 to 10 tonight. Uh, El Bazaar, unique finds from the Sun City and the first ever arts and farmers market happening tonight. I'm excited about the rest of the coffee. We just tried the first, but we have three more to try right now. Like I said, I'm a rookie when it comes to, you know, finer coffee. And uh, this sample that we just tried, which was the Ethiopian, I believe, really good. I actually really really enjoyed it. All right. We're going to send you on your way in a good way after this. I promise you. Uh, Cade, great to see you. We'll come back and, and come back in studio here soon enough. We'll get to spend more time with you. It was great meeting your girlfriend and looking forward to uh, Sam Houston State. And we hope we'll get the Miners back on the winning track. Awesome. As always, thank you guys for having me on. Always a pleasure and uh, great to talk to you guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to a really good week with this squad and we're going to go have a great game at Sam Houston. Fantastic. Sven, thank you for being here. And uh, again, continued success out there with the Farmers Market. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. You got it. Come back. Hour number two of Sports Talk next. 600 ESPN El Paso. They sound good, both of them. Yeah. They're not, you know, not close to where they were. Both of them. Lionel Richie, I saw him maybe eight, ten years ago. He sounded the same. Now he's dropped off a little, but still a great night. You know, as he said, you take your, you take your, your date to, to a concert like that. Mm-hmm. He goes, he goes, I've set you up. He goes, all you got to do. Yep. <laughs> he goes. I, I I put it I I put in uh, put in the work for you. Just take it home. Ah, there you go. I agree <laughs> with you. Hey, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Let's get to the games right now. We'll okay. start off with a, a good one in the ACC. Uh, number sixteen, Duke visiting Florida State. FSU is still undefeated. Duke's got one loss. Uh, we'll play at fourteen and a half. I know right. you've seen thirteen and a half. The line has fluctuated a little bit. Tell me a little bit about uh, how you think Duke will handle or how FSU will handle Duke, who's been very good this year. So we don't know the status of Riley Leonard. I have a feeling, maybe sixty forty, he's going to play. But I think also you got to look at the style of play. Duke wants to slow this game down. They don't. They're not going to do hurry up. They're not going to, you know, try to get snaps off in eight, ten seconds. They're going to snap it with two, three seconds to go. They would love to have eight possessions, nine the most in the game. If it gets like twelve, thirteen possessions, they're in trouble. But if it's eight, nine possessions, sometimes you guys just got to look at math. So right now the line you can get fourteen and a half almost everywhere. That means that Florida State is going to have to probably score on, let's say, five or six of the possessions, uh, two touchdowns and a field goal more than Duke, and Duke probably can't score on more than two. I don't see it. I, this Florida State, here's something crazy. Usually when you're ranked in the top five, you do at least one thing really well, and sometimes you're in the top 20 yeah. offense and defense, or at least top 25. Florida State's offense ranked 24th. Pretty good. But their defense, shockingly, ranks 56. Duke, number four overall scoring defense, allowing just 10.4 points per game. One of the things I look at, if you're getting a lot of points, double-digit points, and your defense allows less than two touchdowns, you take it. Eight out of ten times you're going to cover. And then also, conversely, if your team can't score like Iowa and you're laying double digits, (laughs) you're probably going to cover if you take the dog. So, I think Florida State wins 27-20, but I'll take the points in Duke. Next up, Tennessee and Alabama. Good SEC battle, uh, One thirty Saturday afternoon from Tuscaloosa. Uh, the Tide are 6-1. and one. They're undefeated in the SEC. Tennessee's 5-1, and 2-1 and one in the SEC. Alabama, 9.5-point favorites. Jalen Milrow, by the way, for somebody who, after losing yep. to Texas, was pulled the following game, he's actually right. played pretty well for Nick Saban. He's like he's playing within himself right now, Lee. 
Right. Playing within himself, but doesn't look great. And, I mean, they didn't score the last 23 minutes of the game last week against Arkansas. Arkansas's defense is just not good. They have no depth at all. So, it just you look at every game, and this is just not the same team. <laughs> Alabama, neither is Tennessee. I mean, we're not going to see a 52-49 game. Just not going to happen. But I don't want to lay more than a touchdown with this Alabama team. I like what Tennessee did last week. I was watching that game. And I think they realized this isn't going to be a shootout, so let's just wait A&M out. Let's play good defense. Let's play good special teams. Maybe we'll get a turnover and we'll win the game. And they did, 20-13. to 13. So you got to learn how to win different ways. I think this is going to be like a 27-24 game. I'll take uh, this Tennessee team plus eight points. Okay, we're moving yep. on with uh, game number three. Let's talk about Ohio State-Penn State. This is the game that everybody's talking about, number seven against number three. Both teams are undefeated. They're both 6-0. Right. and oh. uh, Ohio State, four-and-a-half-point favorites uh, over Penn State. You tell me, Lee, is the wrong team favored by, by that many points, or do you feel like that's pretty pretty accurate given these two teams? Past years, I mean, Ohio State's rolled over Penn State. I mean, there's been a large difference as far as talent but you know each team has played one game against a team who i think is a quality team ohio state played notre dame and they came back and that game comic court did not look good in the first three quarters had a great last drive and they win the game on basically a walk-off but he only completed 56 percent of his passes in that game for six and a half yards per attempt their offensive line they just don't hold the blocks like they used to. They also, um, they, they're not making blocks on the second level from their fullback, from their receivers, from uh, linemen pulling like you used to see. So I think that's a problem here. And Penn State, they played one opponent. Iowa just totally annihilated them, 31 nothing. They do one thing really well. I mean, they play defense. They're number one or number two in every major statistical category. Unless Kyle McCord has the game of his life, I think Penn State's the right side. They've lost 9-10 in the rivalry, but I think Penn State finally breaks through. Wrong team favorite, Penn State outright, 31-24. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com with us as we head to the NFL now. Baltimore and Detroit will play that one next. Baltimore, three-point favorites. They're 4-2 and two on the season, 1-1 one one at home. Lions are 5-1. and one. They're perfect on the road. 3-0 and on the road uh, behind what's really been a, a terrific start for them. I wonder about the Lions running game going into this one. I think that's going to be a, a question, but Baltimore minus 3, Lee, that's where we start in this one. Yeah, I mean, I got lucky. I had Baltimore in that game Sunday morning where they ended up uh, having a goal line stand from the one-yard line. Well, a penalty ended up moving it back, but this Baltimore team, they just have not looked right. I'm watching Lamar Jackson. You just read his body language. He is, you can tell he's not happy in this offense. His running backs are fumbling. The receivers dropping more passes than any other receiving core. And they're 3-9 and nine against the spread the last 12 times when laying a field goal or more. The Lions, usually your point spread record will tell you how good you are. 14-2 and two against the spread the last 16 games. They are unconscious. They're getting better. They're even better than they were opening night against Kansas City when they won that game, even though Kelsey did not play in that game. 
Lions are 13 and 4 straight up the last 17 games. And Jared Goff, who was kind of thrown into that trade, everyone thought he'd last a year or two tops. Well, he's a corner piece right now. He's completed over 68% of his passes the last 17 games for almost 4,500 yards, 29 touchdowns, and only four interceptions here. Baltimore's already lost this year to the Colts and the Steelers. <laughs> Detroit's much better than both of those teams here. Fourth, fourth straight game we've gone over today. Wrong team favorite. Detroit, number one run defense. I think they win this game straight up, 24-17. Let's wrap it up with the Sunday night game, Dolphins and Eagles. They're both 5-1. and one. Fish yep. are 2-1 and one on the road. Eagles are 2-0 and oh at home. Um, and this one, again, interesting because the Eagles are coming off that loss uh, to the Jets. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Dolphins. But, man, Miami looks for real this season. They really do, Lee. So I'm going to give you two ways to bet this game and the rest of the season. I think the Dolphins are for real. I think three or four weeks from now, they're going to be really good unless they get more injuries. Think about who they got coming back. Left tackle and their best lineman, Armstead, three games from now. Same with A-Chain, who's the, <laughs> the rookie running back of the year. Jalen Ramsey, everyone forgets about him. He hasn't played a game. He's going to be back in a week or two. He's practicing already. They said he looks like he's in midseason form. Also, slot cover corner Nick Needham. They're missing two of their top ten, two of the top three cornerbacks here. Now, the Eagles, for some reason, since Super Bowl, they have not looked right. We haven't seen their A or their B game yet this year. But how do you slow down the Miami offense? You keep them off the field. They have the number two offense as far as time of possession. They control the ball for over 34 minutes per game. They have the number one run defense. And it is not dipped below. You know what it was like here last week. We got a cold front here the last two days. It's been 73 degrees. It's going to be low 40s, 15 to 20 mile an hour wind. Dolphins would have loved to have faced this Eagles team, or at least been much happier to face them if they were undefeated coming in high on their horse. They are going to be angry after losing to the Jets here. I think Philly's the right side, 35-28. All right, that takes us yep. to the end of October. We still have 12 days left in the month, and that means you have very good opportunities for people to jump on board with you between now and Halloween. Yep, uh, so you want to get every game we've got through next Tuesday night. It works out to like $10 a game. We're 53-30-2 and two on the season. Get everything for just $157, just one place, ParamountSports.com. And uh, do, you have the, do you have the Sunday ticket, Steve? No. Uh, when Aaron Rodgers went out for the season, that was the end of my uh, hopes of watching okay. Jets games on the ticket. So I do not. So talk to your son, get an illegal stream. Got it. They, they all know how to do it. Got it. And Or one of his friends. and uh, Or go to a sports bar. My daughter's singing the national anthem. Sunday for the Chicago Bears game. So they show, they have a local show and they show the national anthem every team. So about, uh, you're on mountain time, right? Yep. So about 10.56 in the morning, okay. when you see a young lady stepping up with a Walter Payton jersey on, Lee Sterling's daughter, and you'll be like, after she sings, now we know uh, why the talent has skipped a generation. 
Adrian has the Sunday ticket. I will make sure that he gets that to me so I can watch okay. that when it happens. So have him tape it. Have him Sunday, tape it. Uh, Sunday morning, ten fifty-seven. Bears game. Adrian Walter Payton jersey. That will be Lee's daughter singing the national anthem. Oh, let's do it, Steve. I love it. This is excellent stuff right here. I'll make sure that we get it done. It's uh, it's going to be the highlight of the game with both. You know, Jimmy G's not playing, and Justin Fields isn't playing. So, um, hopefully, well, you'll see. A bunch of people walking out after the national anthem. Hopefully, will you be there? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, I'm flying up Saturday morning. Yeah, you, have, you, gonna... you, you have to be there. That's that's one yeah, of those right. life's moments that you can't right. miss. Yeah. yeah. Are you on the, the field? Uh, Are you on the field for that? Of course. Yeah, I got an all access pass. Oh, Lee! Yeah, I'll be in a box. So I'm excited. Look at to go you! Out. Yeah. Look, I couldn't. I couldn't get you into a box for the FIU UTEP game, but here you are at Soldier Field. I like that. I think I've made too much fun of the FIU program. I have a lot more connections at the University of Miami. Fantastic. Hey, listen, right. enjoyed it, Lee. We'll talk soon. All right. See you, Lee Sterling, uh, ParamountSports.com. As we continue here on Sports Talk, nineteen past. More in a moment. Stay with us. Charlie One's back with his traffic update. Continue. Dining deals tomorrow morning. Now, listen up, folks. I, I gotta. I, I have to spend a minute on this because you have to realize what's happening here. So, we started this last week with Ruli's International Kitchen, which, by the way, is still available at dining deals. You really can. You can still get those. But tomorrow at ten, our second dining deals goes on sale, and. To give you an idea of how this works, you click on the Dining Deals tab on the must-read bar at 600 ESPN El Paso. And you can get uh, a chance to enjoy $50 to Desert Oak Barbecue for $25. 10 a.m. tomorrow, this will go on sale. So you can take advantage at 10 and click on at the must-read bar, the Dining Deals tab, and get uh, $50 to Desert Oak Barbecue for just $25. And it is super easy. What you'll do is you'll create your account, user, password. You'll have that. And then the deal will be sent to you in a downloadable QR code, which you can keep on your phone or you can print it out. And then when you go to the restaurant, you show them the QR code, and you are good to go. Now, if you've never been to Desert Oak Barbecue, you got to try it. This is the perfect way to do it. They're located on the east side of town, right next to the Cowtown Boots Building on Gateway East. Uh, actually, Gateway West, I should say. And here's the thing. I've known the, the Funk family, Rich, Suzanne, the whole group out there at Desert Oak, since they were in a food truck years ago. And from the food truck, they opened up their store on Zaragoza. And then Guy Fieri came in with diners, drive-ins, and dives. And now they've got a huge location. It is, if you love Central Texas barbecue, this is the place to be. And no better way to take advantage than to have $50 at Desert Oak Barbecue for just $25. Again, 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, must-read bar, at krod.com or the 600 ESPN El Paso mobile app. And before you know it, you will be on your way to Desert Oak Barbecue to enjoy uh, a delicious meal, whether it's lunch or dinner. And I promise you this, you will thank me later. You really will. And there's only one way to do it. 
and that is our dining deals. Each week, a new restaurant is featured for you to take advantage of. And uh, can't wait for that as well. All right, 505-6009. That is our telephone number as we continue. 505-6009 here on Sports Talk. Let's go first to Augustine. He joins us next. Augustine, what's happening, man? How are you? Hey, Steve. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. First, I would like to apologize for to Adrian Broaddus and Sal for uh, actually not calling in yesterday. And uh, uh, during minor talk, it was just, you know, I was just in awe of how people are now mad and really uh, PO'd at the program, which Dana Dimmel runs at the current time. It was just one of those shows that I think everybody came out with saying, you know what, this has to end. And people are over Dana Dimmel. My question to you, Steve, is is uh, is center over Dana Dimmel, and uh, and more importantly, who? I know we talked about it before, but who realistically at this point in time is going to come coach the minors football team? Okay, That's- first off, first off, Dana Dimmel is still the head coach. Okay, he's still the head coach. Now. Um, I have an answer or a theory to that, at least what I would like to see, but I am not, out of respect to Dana Dimmel, going to start that until it's official, if it is official, and they're looking for a new head coach. Got to remember something, okay? Dana Dimmel is under contract until the end of next season. There are plenty of people out there who believe that UTEP cannot afford to buy him out. So until something happens in that department, there's no need to speculate because right now he's their head coach. Nothing's changed. So I'm not going to come on and start telling you what, where I think UTEP should go until they're in that position. And to be honest, Augustine, I don't know if that's going to happen. Or if they're just going to, you know, roll with Dana next season, let him coach out his last season of his contract the way the Aggies did with Doug Martin before they brought on board Jerry Kill. I mean, the Aggies couldn't buy out Doug Martin, so they let him coach his final season out. So who's to say UTEP's going to spend half a million dollars and buy out Dana Dimmel? I don't know if they will. It's it's just it's frustrating to see a coach that really – you know, doesn't care about the program. He doesn't get excited. And, and all this talking about Dana Dimmel being this level-headed guy, I mean, somebody's got to put some coal into the guy's underwear to make him excited about something. Now, listen, 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 listen. I watched enough of that game last night, and I've watched Dana Dimmel for five years. He gets fired up during games. He does. He was, he was getting when? fired up. He gets fired up. When? Listen, I watch it. I see it. Here's the thing, okay? And and the idea that you're saying that he doesn't care, that's ridiculous. Of course he cares. He wants to win. It's his reputation. He's on national television. It's not like he wants to lose and just get embarrassed. He wants to win. Now, wanting to win and winning are two totally different things. But believe me, it's like 
I don't go on the air trying to just go through the motions and just kill two hours every day in the afternoon drive. I want to bring a good show, a good product that you feel good when you leave, but doesn't always work like that. Same thing with him. Wait, 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 wait. wait. You're saying you don't wing it? What? Well, listen. I, I wing every show. I've been winging every show for 28 years. But there's, there's that, that's, that's my style, man. That is my style. But you know what? Just like you and your phantom bottle of tequila that's been holed up at customs for the last 10 years, you know, I mean, it's not always as easy as what you want, all right? You promised a bottle of tequila. I'm still waiting a decade later. You know, UTEP wants to win and have a winning football program. Easier said than done. No, Steve, but, but, but I mean... No buts! No buts! No buts! Hey, listen, how's that bottle doing? Where is it right now? There's a big butt there because... No, there's not. There's no big butt. Adrian, is there a big butt? Augustine doesn't watch the game, so I can't even I can't even pay attention to him. He doesn't watch the games. He does he doesn't, and he doesn't go to the games. So he doesn't he, go he's to the a, games. He's a troll. He's the certified 600 ESPN El Paso Sports Talk troll. He is. He is super troll. Okay, I got you. There we go. Anyway. All right, listen, Augustine, thanks for the phone call. Bottom of the hour. We'll get back to the calls in a moment. But first, here's Adrian in this Sports Center update. How the programs are heading in opposite directions. And I think, Adrian, that was never more apparent than last night's game uh, here at the Sun Bowl. Hey, I'm going to just say it right now. NMSU is a better. I'm Wow, I'm juiced right now from this coffee. NMSU is a better football program than UTEP. Bottom line. And they're going to go into next year as favorites in the, oh. uh, next year in this series. And I'm excited because I think Jerry Kill is doing right now in Las Cruces what he's done everywhere else. He really has. I mean, this is this is what he does. Jerry Kill is, you know, he's always won. His health has always been the biggest question. And it was a question earlier this season in Cruces. But, you know, as long as he's there coaching, yeah, big things will happen with the Aggie football team. Here is Aggie Andrew joining us next. 34 past the hour as we continue on Sports Talk. Andrew, what's happening? Hey, first of all, Steve, it was nice meeting you yesterday, man, after all these years calling in. Appreciate that. Thanks for thanks for stopping by, Andrew. That was good stuff. Yeah, it was. Hey, man, you know, <laughs> I was listening to the uh, call-in shows after the game last night and on the way home, and then uh, this morning I went to the game up in Albuquerque earlier this year, and their fans were as livid as the UTEP fans. Same exact phone calls. Like this, like you could literally record it. And it's like, I can't believe we lost this little program. We have to fire our coach. Everyone's leaving us behind. The sky is falling. Same exact thing. So I, I sympathize with the minor fans. Uh, I hear you. But, yeah, I, I just wanted to say, man, it's been a lot of fun watching these last uh, year and a half of, of Jerry Killball, man. His, oh, yeah. he's, got a, he's legit. He is legit. What but I mean, but yeah. we really shouldn't be surprised, right? I mean, he's won wherever he's been. Well, the only thing I would say about that is, and you know, I've been watching Aggies for thirty years, right? And the, and for me, it's always been about can you get the athletes first? Because mm-hmm. yeah, there's guys that can coach them, and there's and if you have the athletes, then it's coaching and execution. But we've had a couple good coaches over the years; they just didn't have the horses. Right, and Hess was one of them back in the early '90s. That guy could coach, but he couldn't get enough athletes. So, kill. It looks like at least early results. Right, they were not even two years in. I think he's got bigger, fit more physical athletes to match up with with these teams in CUSA and maybe even the bottom half of Mountain West Conference. I won't say the top half. 
Um, and then now it's just like, all right, you play well. Because in the first game of the year, they, they lost to UMass, and UMass was a bad team. Uh, they were bigger, stronger, faster, but Diego threw a pick six and had two turnovers inside the 20-yard line. And that was the game. If he, if we take care of the ball, we probably win by 20. True, true. So I agree with you're, that. You're, you're just building right now, but it's exciting to see, and I'm, I'm excited for the fans. You know, I remember calling into your show when we were left behind by the whack. I remember calling to your show when we were left behind by the Sun Belt, and we were talking to you. I remember you saying, I'm not sure they're going to survive because there weren't a lot of options, and we didn't have money. You're like, well, who are you going to play, and how are you going to get teams to cruise this, right? So it's just nice to have some stability. Uh, I, I mean, it's nice for the fans to be able to go to the games, to travel to you know Albuquerque and, and El Paso and enjoy a good game, win or lose. You're going to see a team that can match up. And, you know, I, I see a lot of similarities. In, I've only watched two games at UTEP, and he, the team looks like similar to Martin's last year. They just, you know, I, I don't I, – I think they have physical players, but – you know, you got to have passion, all 11 guys. And it seems like, you know, every play there's a couple guys that something's just missing on those big plays, and then it just snowballs on you, right? You know, a couple guys start hanging their heads, and that's all it takes in, in, a, in a game with good teams. So I don't know what UTEP is going to do about center, center but or I'm sorry, about their coach. But, yeah, uh, kills a lot of good. And, and I just got to give a shout-out to Pavia, man. That guy – He's, he's a baller. Man. He's one of the better quarterbacks I've seen in New Mexico State. And he's tough as nails, and he makes some mistakes. But, man, he, he leaves it all on the, on, on, on the field. He's a heck of a player. I'll say this about Pavia, okay? And this is not necessarily a, 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 critic, a, a criticism of him, but it's the school. Make the guy available to the media already. The idea that they're babying him and having Jerry Kill speak for Diego Pavia. Look, the dude urinated on the field, all right? We get it. <laughs> hey. And you want to know something? He's your starting quarterback. He's having a good year. And if somebody has to ask him tough questions about it, let him answer. You know what? I made a mistake. I got caught up in the heat of the moment. I'm sorry. And all I want to do is win football games. And that is the end of it. But to make yeah. him not available to the media i'm surprised about this i really am is that you know what it just to me that it's wrong it's the wrong play it's it's time to to take you know just stop babying the kid and and protecting him and let him get out there and face the media i think i think they're they're a little gun shy but they are everything that happened uh, with everything that happened in basketball um you know they have the fight at the sun bowl right and then they went up to Albuquerque. Everybody knows that whole story. But I was real curious to see how Kill was going to answer, was going to handle that situation. And I think the thought behind it is this is like, hey, we're going to show send a message to the team that this isn't tolerated. We're going to take the star player, and he's not going to talk to anybody. And if he does, you know, we're going to set the tone right now, just like they should have done after that fight, and say, you know what, if you mess up, there's going to be real consequences. So from that standpoint, in the context of everything that happened on that brutal year last year, I can understand it. If that hadn't happened, eh. But I think everybody's just being super cautious, and I'm guessing if anything happens in basketball, God forbid, they're going to be the same way. Like, you're going to toe the line or else that's never going to happen again, what happened last year in any major sport on campus. And if something does happen, yeah, but, we're going to make it known to everybody that that, that it's not going to be tolerated. That's my guess. But listen, happens. here's but my thing, you. okay? They never suspended him. He's played every oh, game this whole season. So if that's the case, you're not making an example by shielding him from the media. There's no example there. I mean, what are you worried he's going to say? Talk about it. 
let him bring it up one time, that's the end of that, and then you could just move on from there. But to not make him available after playing eight games this season, to me, is just, it's it sends the wrong message. I mean, it, it really does. Because if you're afraid of what he's going to say, but you're still playing him every week, it's a double standard. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just say this to end it, because I, I, you know, I mean, we'll see it different ways, but uh, did you know that the Aggies only have, on the entire team, five seniors? Yeah, no, I thought it was six, but yeah, I know this team is coming back yeah. next year. It's pretty remarkable, so, it really is. Yeah, we're yeah. I'm just happy for everybody. It's great talking to you, Steve. I, I it's been a while, I know, but uh, yeah, I enjoy your show. Listening to it now from Cruces instead of El Paso. I used to listen to you every day, man. Coming home from work up there, so best of luck and whatever happens with the Miners. You know what? I have no ill will. I love the Sun Bowl. Love seeing games in that stadium. It's one of my favorite college stadiums in the country. I awesome, think a beautiful place. So. You know, on to the next one, man. We'll see you guys at the next uh, the next uh, game against the Miners. Thanks, Aggie Andrew. Good to talk to you. Before I go to break, uh, Adrian, I'm happy. I haven't brought the Pavia situation, and I keep meaning to do it, and I forget. But the whole thing is just ridiculous to me. It really is. He should have been available last night after beating the Miners. I'm, oh, I mean, we are uh, media members ourselves, so it, we benefit off having players available to us. So we come from that place right now. But I will say this. I'm not a fan of any program, regardless of what the school is, high away from media or shine away from media interviews what do you have to hide just let him exactly. out there and look at what ha- i mean today prime example Cade mcconnell comes off a loss and he comes in our studio and spends a first hour with us takes hard questions and uh, acknowledges some of his own faults from yesterday's loss on the utep side why can't you simply have diego pavia come out to the media in the presser following yeah. a conference usa player of the week honor that he had i i just don't get this this actually hurts diego pavia in terms of his national exposure that he could get, uh, and I'm not a fan of this whatsoever. Completely agree with you. We'll come back, wrap up hour number two in a moment. Chris is going to be with us. Uh, he's got some exciting news to talk about regarding now or never. His Tony Romo documentary. We'll give you the latest update next as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Here with you uh, for the next, well, let's see here. 25 minutes. Chris Hanna's on his way. He should be here in a moment. We'll give you the latest from him on uh, Now or Never. We talked about dining deals earlier. That's on the must-read bar at 600ESPNElPaso.com. You definitely want to check that out. You can do that on the mobile app as well. 10 o'clock tomorrow. You can get $50 at uh, Desert Oak Barbecue for just $25. Uh, Now, I always look at these dining deals as twofold. If you're a fan of the place, hey, and you go regularly, what an opportunity, right? 50 bucks for $25, uh, that in itself is a great deal. But if you've never been to some of these restaurants and you can get your first meal like that for half price, that's even better. And nowadays, Adrian, it's hard to find deals like this around town. Nobody has restaurant deals like these these days. So this is a terrific way to really save money and enjoy some of the best uh, eats in El Paso. You know, I would consider us Steve Foodies, and uh, I would say we've got high-quality restaurants on our dining deals right now. So uh, I'm a big fan of Ruli's. I'm a huge fan of Desert Oak Barbecue. And I think for anybody who's wanting to try them and maybe considers themselves a foodie, maybe just uh, go on over to our tab, our must-read bar tab, and uh, seize the deal with some of our dining deals. No, you're right. That's the way to do it. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, bottom nine, 
not good if you're the Phillies and Craig Kimbrell. He's going to have to work his way out of a second and third no-out jam in a 1-1 game. This feels like uh, the Diamondbacks are going to take this one right here the way it looks. Uh, and credit the Diamondbacks, Steve. I mean, they're they're fighting from behind. They were down one nothing, zero momentum. B- bottom of the seventh, they tie it up, and then here an opportunity to win it. So credit to them for not really folding, not really bending in this series, despite being down 2 nothing. Well, Rivera's trying to win the game against Krim- uh, Kimbrough, who's upset. He thought that uh, he should have had a strikeout right there. And, yep, he went around. They called it no swing. That's a, that's a surprise. Rivera definitely went around. And that is, that's a terrible no call by the umpiring crew to make it a one and two count because it was pretty clear that he went around. That was really bad right there. Uh, Kimbrell on the mound, Steve. How, on your worry meter from uh, Aroldis Chapman to uh, think of some of the better closers right now here in the postseason, how worried are you here with Kimbrell? Oh, I don't think the uh, Phillies win this game. I think the Diamondbacks come back to win and at least make this a 2-1 series. Well, what about moving forward with, with Kimbrell? Uh, I mean, how, how do we evaluate him? I, I like Kimbrell, but like right there, play at the plate, and they just got the first out. So, uh, big play. I mean... You know, the fielder's, uh, fielder's Choice threw the runner out. Nice purple hair, by the way. Is that Lourdes Cordiel? Yeah, Cordiel? I think so. Diamondback. He's got Diamondback purple hair. Yeah, that's good stuff right there. Maybe he dyed it right before this series. I love it. So now first and second one out. That was huge. Got the lead runner on a ground ball in the hole. Watch this. They played up right. What a play by Trey uh, Turner to get the throw in and then uh, Real Muto missed the tag initially, but got the runner out after uh, you know failing to get him out the first time. Look at this beautiful slide by Guriel, but he misses the plate. Real Muto misses him, and then when he dives back, he gets tagged right before. Game of inches, Steve. You think about it. This game could be mm. over if he just gets a fingertip on the on the home plate. What a what a bummer right there. If you're a Diamondbacks fan, and for the Phillies fans out there, they're hanging on here. Yep, they sure are. So, again, now it's first and second with uh, uh, Geraldo Perdomo up against Craig Kimbrell, who's one for three for his career. I like this. This is fun. I think Kimbrell's a fine. I don't think there's any closer right now other than Presley with Houston who you can really pencil in and say he's a shutdown guy. Yeah, I feel like every time you watch the Rangers closers, you just hold your breath. Uh, Astros, I feel like when you watch them with the lead, they, they definitely protect that lead a little bit better. And then with these two teams right here with the Diamondbacks and, and the Phillies, I just feel like it's whoever gets hot here uh, late in games and who's trying to protect lead. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. All right, when we come back, final segment as we get ready for Thursday night football. Hopefully Chris makes his way into the show before then so we can spend some time with our pal and uh, get the latest on his Tony Romo documentary, Now or Never, and get you the update as we continue. Kimbrell trying to survive. First and second, one out, 1-1 count on Perdomo. We'll give you the latest when we come back after the Dallas Cowboys update Right here, 600 ESPN El Paso.